Today on Rogue Padron, Mission 9, Eresi versus Mirax, Round 2, the rogues arrive on Borlaeus, Lord gets scolded again, Wedge is a Baller, Part 372, Pulsar skates to the rescue, Reichgate for everyone, and a secret agent? What? Bum, bum, bum. What if it's Wedge? What if it's Wedge? <laughs> They're going to blame that on Tycho, aren't they? Never know. Don't try. Maybe we should read the book, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Yeah, <laughs> solve two two birds with one uh, <laughs> something. <laughs> solve two birds. <laughs> Bird solved. <laughs> <laughs> so many balls. So many birds get solved. I'm not good at math. <laughs> okay, Saf. Shut up, Danny. Wait, did Meg just say so many balls? <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And we got that recorded, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he'd be so mad. And we're opening the episode with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so many balls. Oh man, Rogue Squadron took a strange turn these last few chapters. <laughs> it's because of all the trashy romance. <laughs> so much trashy romance. Ah, uh, so good. Oh, so many, you. so many balls. <laughs> he, you don't even know. You didn't even read about all the balls. You, you don't even know how many balls. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Okay. <sighs> Welcome to an all-new episode of Rogue Padron. I'm sure you missed us last week, and I'm sure in that span you forgot who we were. So just a quick introduction. Now that the first book in the series is done... Danny, Rogue 6, has been spending all of his time researching what different Bothan fur movements mean. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's actually so much less exciting than it sounds. <laughs> Saf, Rogue 7, has been perfecting her Reichgate recipe for holiday parties. It's gonna be delicious. Mm. Heath, Rogue 3, put, has put in extra hours in the simulators as an excuse to fly with Tycho. Yeah, I have. And me, Meg, Rogue Leader, has been waiting for Gavin to turn 18 so I'm not a mega creep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Self-burn. Self-burn. That was a good self-burn. So, speaking of super creeps, <laughs> I don't have a Rogue One question this week because we got a lot of book to cover and I think we should just get to it. Let's Sounds do it. Good. Fair. So today we're going to be discussing chapters 32 through the epilogue, which sounds like a lot, but they're really short chapters. So as we start, this is right before they go on their mission, their secret mission to Berlaeus, and we see Mirix and 
Mirax and Corin come into the hangar bay, and Mirax gives Corin a good luck smooch on the cheek, and we notice that Corin gave her basically his letterman's jacket, and Wedge is all like waggling his eyebrows at him, but <laughs> Mirax insists that they're just friends. Wedge was not happy about this. <laughs> he was okay with it. Yeah, he seemed not thrilled. Well, I, he, compared- he was more like he was more like just side eyeing it. Like, yeah, uh-uh, what? Yeah. He compares the two to Han and Leia, and he hopes that they don't have as many like ups and downs as that couple does. Because even at the time of that this is happening, they are not like fully cemented a couple. Uh, so okay. there's still drama rama up with there. Didn't uh, Wedge endorse this relationship though back when they first met Mirax? He did. Wedge and Corn had a really awkward conversation about it where Corn was, was like super awkward. You, <laughs> you, so you tap in that and Corn was like, No. Or Wedge was like, no. Right. And he's like, you should be, friend- you should <laughs> then, be friends with Mirax. You Mirax's. should, quote, be friends. <laughs> and Corey's like, but you're friends with Mirax. There's some finger guns in there. You can hear it. Yep. So as they fly off, um, as Rogue Squadron now flies off to their mission, Wedge is determined when he gets back that he'll go, like, walk along the plains of the planet. Uh, because he thinks to himself, it's no good to keep fighting if I allow myself to forget why I'm fighting. So he's got to get out there and live a little bit. That's not just like blowing up the enemy. And then it cuts back to the hangar where Erisi is threatening Mirax. What else um, is new? I know. So Erisi is saying that she could either end Mirax's career as a smuggler by never by saying that anybody who trades with Mirax will not be allowed to trade Bakta from her like corporation. And or she said that she could reward her with similar with the opposite things for her to stay away from Corin. So it's pretty gross either way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Let's talk about Erisy. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> what what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Did you have anything to say there, Danny? <laughs> That's about it. No, she went no, from like um... zero to three sixty, right? Yeah, I guess she's well, kind of always been at 360 because she's been throwing herself at Corin, but now it's just like the first sign that Mirax has maybe spent the night with him, and she's just like, "I'm gonna cut you off yeah. from all my hey. supply of Bacta, Don't and then I'm gonna stuff. cut you." She doesn't understand how like the idea of people being able to choose who they're with, <laughs> like Corin can choose. It's not up to her, even if she likes right. him. Yeah. Yeah. So absurd. Yeah, but it's also, like, Corin is also being really vague, so, like, he continuously flirts and makes innuendos with Erisi, and then, like, Mirak stays the night in his room, so it's like... Yeah, that's true. He's not shooting straight with her, that's for sure. Yeah. No, he's really not. He's, yeah. he's kind of being a... Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just like the fact that, clearly, we've learned by this point that Erisi and subtlety don't belong in the same sentence yeah no. i feel like she's definitely in, like like spoiled in her entire life for sure she's a and feeler so, not a thinker yeah now that someone could like you know touch her fake boyfriend not into it <laughs> no she's not i'm not a fan of her so mirax then kind of has some inner dialogue about how you know, she obviously doesn't want her career to end, but she doesn't like having her personal life being decided by somebody else. And that we find out that this whole time Mirix has been trying to think really negatively of Corin and all of her attempts by like bringing him illegal goods and like 
giving him the option to seduce her have kind of failed because he's acted like a good guy. <laughs> Surprise. Mm-hmm. That's surprising. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she, like, she, she thinks really he's a started... gentleman, which is just very strange. Yeah. So she started <laughs> to like him and she admits that like, although she definitely like isn't in love with him, maybe she could have been sometime in the future. So she's kind of grumpy that that's like even a possibility and that everyone's up in her business. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always grumpy when romance is a possibility. So the worst. <laughs> Same, <awful>. honestly. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's awful. So bad. So to distract her from feelings, Mirax jumps into work, and while she's looking at the unit want list um, from Mtray, she realizes that something's wrong and goes to find uh, Tycho in hopes to save Rogue Squadron. Bum, bum, bum. So in the next chapter, Rogue Squadron is about to go on their final leg to Borlaeus. Wedge reveals the true target and plan, and everyone's totally on board with it. And there's a quote that maybe I'll get this tattooed on me from Wedge that mm-hmm. says, With a little luck and a lot of heart, there's nothing that can stop us from succeeding. Oh. Which I thought was just a beautiful Wedge quote. That should be our tagline. I know, it's so cute. <laughs> Is that going to be above Wedge's face or, or below it or like surrounding it in a heart shape? Um, Probably in a heart shape. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so that after that brief moment in space, we go back to Mirax and Tycho and her explaining that the mission could be compromised. And she figured this out because when looking on the want list, there were a ton of items that were native to Alderaan, which usually sell for a really high price because they're super rare. But on the want list, all of these items have low sell prices and no buy prices. And for this, it shows Mirax that Mtray is showing the future availability of products, which means that Rogue Squadron must be hitting a place with Alderaan goods. Um and, like, people know that the Alderan Biotics Facility is on Borlaeus. I'm really glad you explained that because I didn't understand any of that when I was reading the book. <laughs> I was like, I don't, what, what's happening? I don't know. Basically, Mirax figured out that Mtray is super sketch because the winking didn't clue her in. <laughs> right. She didn't see a wink. She didn't We've see... known for weeks. <laughs> Keep up, Mirax. Yeah. So Mtray is called in um, to Tycho and Mirax, and when they question him about um, like what these items are, Mtray gets like super defensive and his voice changes, and so it's like more like what is going on with this programming. But thankfully, previously Tycho had discovered a wait state on Mtray, Mtray that is activated by saying "shut up" three times. This and droid has so many like secrets levels. Like, they need to just get rid of this droid because he's trouble. <laughs> Way too much going to, on. They need to burn this droid. <laughs> <laughs> so extreme. We have no sympathy for like M-Tray. Him. Yeah. No. None. 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 So, in M-Tray's wait state, you can access any information you need. It's basically now just a computer console. Um and this obviously is not a standard setting because it would be terrible if that fell into like enemy hands. Um, but through this, they find out the team is going to Borlaeus and could have been compromised if someone could slice in and like figure that out. So Mirax and Tycho realize that they need to go and potentially save Rogue Squadron. Which is an yeah. awesome team up, by the way. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So now we see the rogues arriving at Borlaeus. They have a clean entry. Everything goes to plan. Um, but as Corn and Wedge begin their run to go um, get telemetry about the Fair Creek pipe they're trying to hit, um, they find a patrol of squints, which is the TIE interceptors. And while Corn and Wedge are dodging these TIEs, um, Corn ends up losing one of his extra fuel pods. And so that means he only has enough fuel left for one run down the canyon. Um, when they actually get to the place where the conduit is, they realize that the tunnel is being reinforced with like, so there's a bunch of extra ferrocrete and troops um, there and the at- first attempt to blow it up fails. Wedge puts Corrin in the same situation he was in during the first Death Star and tells him, get clear, Corrin. You can't do any more good back there. <laughs> Heath. <laughs> Twist. Uh, uh. <laughs> of, of course. Of course. <laughs> Send all your fanfic to Heath. At... <laughs> and okay. um, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, Wedge is ob- not Wedge. Corin is obviously not happy about this, but he does what he stole for once. And. Wedge is determined to blow the tunnel himself uh, while the rest of the rogues are occupied with keeping the TIE interceptors off his back. It's a very Corrin mindset. Yeah. They have more in common than they realize, I think. Uh, yeah. You know, they're both leader material. Mm-hmm. In the next chapter, <clears throat> we skip... bros. Bros quadrant. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, I like it. Denny, we're bro squadron. What? Why can't Saf and I be part of that? I'm no actually bro be, leader. No one should be a part of anything named bro squad. <laughs> uh, Heath, you're fired. Wow. Oh, the tables have been turned. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, in the next chapter, we're back on Imperial Center. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. We have, like, 12 chapters left. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of chapters in this week. So Lore is now in another meeting with Isard, and Lore was delayed um, in getting back to Imperial Center and was stuck on Tapwara, which was a world that helped, in quotation marks, uh, rebels get info for the first, first Death Star simply by being an information transfer point. But for this, they were severely punished, and the Imperials wrecked the planet to a point of, like, an, a pre-industrial city. And so now the population there have to, like, crawl on their bellies and lament the death of the Emperor in order to just get food. Okay. This was creepy shit. Yeah. Like, I would think this the Empire, was... like, did good, need to read this bit. <laughs> well, and this is, like, not even the Empire. This is post-Emperor Empire. <clears throat> Like, this is the first time we've really heard of the post-Emperor Empire, like, being as evil or more evil as the during Emperor Empire. Right, just, like, super awful. Yeah, um, just, like, blatantly enslaving and, like, <laughs> just, just, I mean, the descriptions are just so creepy. Yeah. It's screwed up. So, you know, all hail the Empire. <laughs> 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 Isar turns this little session into another um, time yelling at Lore for his lack of imagination and lack of effort. Because, like, he just assumes, he still just assumes 
that he's right all the time. Like he figured that he was going to Borlaeus because that's where the the rogues would strike next. And because Isard sent him there, he thought that she thought the same as he did. Whereas like she had completely other motives, which was really to spy on Derricot. Um, but Lore just kind of gave up and assumed that he was correct. So he's still like trying to learn a lesson all the time, but hasn't really gone it through his head yet. We got one of the creepiest metaphors in this book yet. The sarlacc in his stomach grew restless and began <laughs> gnawing its way free of his belly. Ugh. Oh, oh why? Gross. <laughs> that is not an appeasing thought. <laughs> Now I'm just going to, like, talk about the sarlacc in my belly all the time. <laughs> Please, no, Mig. No. What does it mean? I don't know. I'll never like, say I'm hungry again. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I, how I would use the it. The sarlacc in my belly needs eating. <laughs> Get me a Boba Fett. You know. <laughs> that was a punk. Anyway. <laughs> I need more Mandalorians in my belly. In my sarlacc. It's so weird. It's creepy and weird. <laughs> so we find out that Derricot is now on Imperial Center and Isard's people are running Borlaeus. Lore and Derricot will be working together to ruin Rogue Squadron when they arrive on Coruscant. So Isard's like 100% sure that the rogues are going to end up there pretty soon. Um, Wonder where she next got that information. Oh. So <laughs> the next chapter... <laughs> goes back to the rogues and for the first like half of the chapter it's just wedge being a super baller pilot and we find that he destroyed the conduit with super fancy flying so he's not for this game at 27 so young (laughs) and yep so you heard it here first folks what heath loves wedge it's true that's fair i didn't think i would you were wrong I was very wrong. Mm-hmm. As Wedge flies away, um, we find that all the rogues are safe and accounted for, uh, except Corrin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> because he can't completely follow orders ever. No. And we find that Corrin ran off to defend uh, Lieutenant Page's assault shuttle from some squints that had broken off and headed toward it. So he was doing something good. Uh, but in the process, Corrin used up too much fuel to actually get to hyperspace. The new plan for the rogues is Corrin to go to ground on the dark side of the planet and basically wait to get a ride home. And then while the rogues, the other rogues, go sunside to draw away the ties before they hit light speed. And as Corrin goes and lands, he starts preparing an ambush because he refuses to die alone. <laughs> Corrin is weird. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So next, the rogues, we go back to Corrin on the ground, and we find that the rogues took out 10 of the 22 squints that were following them. And so there's one dozen left looking for Corrin. And lucky for him that they're using a like really standard grid pattern. And so all of their ties are just locked on autopilot. So he knows precisely when they're going to be hovering over his position. And by knowing that, he easily takes out a couple of them. And um, he takes out three total, but he gets caught in a tractor beam. And as he's getting 
pulled toward whatever craft that has him. He remarks that trapping a rogue doesn't make him dead, just deadlier, which sounds like a really terrible <laughs> tagline for an action movie. <laughs> it really does. Not dead, just deadlier. <laughs> that should not be our tagline. We should like, stick with the wet quote. <laughs> like, I just see, like, Jason Statham and, like, that tagline. On. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make him dead. Let's just get deadlier. that one tattooed. No, I don't want to daddy. I don't want it. I don't want anything that could potentially be in a Jason Statham movie poster. <laughs> I think Fair. That's a good life, like that's just way like way to live. Yeah, it's just a rule of life. Yeah, Meg's law. Corin also is aware of the fact that by taking out those ties, that brings him ahead of Bro Jason. They're ever going competition. And he refers to him as the Back to Boy, which I love because now we have Back to Queen mm-hmm. and Back to Boy. For our two Thyferians. I like that she's a queen and he's a boy. Yeah, Back even though he's, Jace. like, equally high of power. <laughs> Back to boy. Back to boy. Oh, it's kind of cute. <laughs> it's cute. They're really in love. They just need to kiss it out. Here's hoping. <laughs> I, I ship it. Yeah. Corn times everybody. So in the next chapter, I told you these are super short chapters, uh, we go back to Wedge and the others in hyperspace. Um, Wedge has been thinking of plans to go back and save Corrin for the last three hours. And while he knows they won't be approved by Admiral Akbar, he also knows that he can never leave a man behind. So he, no matter what, he's going to go back for Corrin. And Wedge realizes that as much as he's tried to distance himself emotionally, um, partially to protect himself and partially to be a better leader, um, he still ends up thinking of Corrin as Corrin versus Lieutenant Horn. They're hey. buddies. Yep. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope you don't know if you ever watch a movie with me. Are you just going to be yelling at the whole time? Yeah. (laughs) I'm into it. I want to go see The Force Awakens with you, Saf. Yeah, me too. Oh, (laughs) we can all see it together. It would be so good. Yay. It'll be good. And then as the rogues exit hyperspace and near no quiver, whatever, M-Trey relays a message from Corrin. And it's Corrin saying that if if he's seen this message, then he knows he's been left behind. And that's how that chapter ends. Cliffhanger! So drama. So back on Borlaeus, um, Mirax shows up in the Pulsar skate and picks up Corrin after he breaks free from the tractor beam. In their escape, three squints get taken out and we find out that it was Tycho behind the gun. And Corrin's desire to know why Tycho isn't flying with the rogues is rekindled, but he knows that it's probably not the best time to ask. Yeah. Okay, not, I have a question. Not yeah. ideal. Does Corrin jump into hyperspace out of the tractor beam? Uh, y- mm, so when he blew up the the Tie Fighter that was like directly in front of him, I think it dislodged him enough to get out of the tractor beam. And at that point, um, like Mirax and his like nav computers were linked. And so she instigated the light speed jump. Uh, okay, because I, I thought he jumped out of the tractor beam, and I was like, I didn't think that was possible. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it was interrupted long enough for for them to slave their circuits together, um, and then they just did a little tiny jump just to get out of Borlaeus. 
Um, and then he came up, the X-Wing came aboard the Pulsar skate to go the rest of the way. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And Mirax. We are not space pilots. Yeah. <laughs> Mirax uh, um, and Tycho tell Corin that of how they figured out um, that the location might have been compromised and that the skate was laying in wait on the dark side of the planet and waited to make sure that like everything with the rogues went okay and that they weren't like secretly ambushed. And on their way home, Corin, because. They're going to get back home faster than the X-Wings are. Corrin decides to play a prank. And the next chapter is when we get the rest of the message that Wedge is here. And it's him just saying that he has Brandy and Rice get ready for the crew when they land. And no one's mad. They all just go, yay, it's the last chapter. So we have to be happy and have a happy ending. Yeah, I'd be glad (laughs) if there was cake waiting for me. Yeah. I'd forgive anyone for cake. <laughs> good <show. laughs> okay. Oh, Maybe not cool. anyone. That's most people. <laughs> you know. I'd forgive anyone for Would cake. you forgive you baby tweeted? Hitler for cake? No. Wait, what? <laughs> Did you say forgive or kill baby Hitler? What? What? Oh my god, I'm not. Who's killing baby Hitler? I don't know. I thought that's what Danny said. I said, would you forgive baby Hitler for cake? No. Well, I mean, the baby Hitler hasn't done anything, but no. (laughs) Good. Glad we're all on the same page here. (laughs) And then it cuts to the crew's landed and everyone's celebrating. And Corin, not Corin, Wedge asked Tycho why he let Corin, like, even pull a prank. And Tycho explains that he wanted to see Wedge's face. Uh, I love them. And that he looks forward to seeing how Wedge is going to get even. Tycho just, like, gave no f***s in this last section. (laughs) I know. Like, I I feel like he could could have gotten in so much trouble, like, every single thing he did in these chapters. And he's just like, do not care anymore. (laughs) I mean, he really should have gotten in trouble because he ended up having to lock his escort inside of his room in order for him to, like, even go out on that mission because he was totally not allowed. Right. But apparently they're just back and everything's fine. Well, I'm expecting book two will start with, like, Psalm handcuffing Tycho to his X-Wing and being like, sorry, dude. Sorry, bruh. And um, we find out that although Corrin did get those three squints, uh, Bro Jace ended up with two more kills than Corrin. But they're actually being cool dudes about it. And So Bro Jace wins! Yay! And, you know, they both tell each other that they both did great flying, so, like, no hard feelings. And uh, we find out that uh, Bro Jace has to return to Typhara because his great uncle, who is the patriarch of their family, um, is dying. So Bro Jace actually loses. Oh, Yeah. So Wedge... Bro. Yeah. So Wedge has Tycho arrange some approved time off under the guise of recruiting run. So he'll be taking off uh, shortly after the celebrations. And to end that, we to end the b- proper part of the book, we have a toast, which is to Rogue Squadron, to the friends we've lost, the battles we fought, and the utter fear our return will bring to our enemies. We are going to have so many words tattooed all over our bodies when this is all done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, um, but of course, we can't actually end it with happiness. And the epilogue takes us back to Imperial Center. We learn from lore 
that there is a secret agent in Rogue Squadron, and that Lore was informed that they are moving operations to Borlaeus, and that Bro Jace is returning home. Their plan is going to ambush ambush Bro Jace on his way home to either kill him or take him alive to Lusankia. And if you remember earlier, like Lusankia was really briefly mentioned in regards to Tycho about how he escaped from Imperial Center. And Isard also let Intel slip that Lore killed Gilbastra and that Lore is currently on Imperial Center, which will fuel Corrin even more to chase after him and bring the rogues there. And all we know about what's going on there is that Derricot is doing something involving Gamorreans. And uh, Lore makes some flowery threats, and that's the end of that book. So we, we just ha- we have no idea who it is. Right? Yeah. Well, I feel like we know that it's not. Are bro. there any clues? Like Bro Jace is the one that we don't know. We right. know it's not Bro Jace. It wouldn't be Bro unless he's reporting on himself. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure M Trey is just a, a witless tool in this plan, unfortunately. So it's I'm, I'm going to discard Cora. my previous theory that it's not M Trey. It's probably it's neither. No... It's not Corin, Tycho, or Wedge. What if it's no no Lara? Oh no, That'd not the so lawyer. Sad. That it could be. It could be. It. I mean, honestly, it, I no, could, we Gavin. could make a case for any of these people, right? <laughs> Gavin, he doesn't know any better. He's too young. <laughs> well, see, the the thing is, is that it really could be anyone, regardless of like what you see as motives, because like the reason why, like Psalm is so worried about Tycho, is because it's all about like bre- being brainwashed and conditioned. And so it might not necessarily be because they willingly, like, or before that they would want to willingly serve the Empire. It's just, like, the way that they are now. So it's kind Uh, of, it could be anybody. I kind of like that there aren't any, like, glaring clues. Like, we don't really know. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, I think with the way this book ended, it's kind of pointing towards Eresy a little bit. Because she's shown a little bit of a a dark streak as well. Oh, yeah. But she's also kind of a little too self-absorbed, maybe, to be able to... Right, and, like, that's the the thing. Right. Like, even, like, like... the dark parts of characters could just be them as, like, people. Because if Eresy comes from this life of, like, privilege and, like, she's a Bacta queen, right? Right. So it's, like, it's no wonder that she's being selfish or, like, mean and catty toward, like, another woman, right? She probably doesn't deal with that, like, back in her homeworld. I feel like whoever it is, our hearts are going to be broken when we find out. Yeah. Correct. (laughs) I I feel like Eris wouldn't be trying really hard to get with Corrin if it was her. She'd just be, like, doing her imperial business. Right. You do Uh, you. I don't know. Also, I wonder if when we find out if it'll be like we'll look back and be like, uh <laughs> like like little hints or whatever will like <laughs> click into place or something. Should have seen that coming. Well actually, like Meg, can you say that without spoiling? Like having reread these multiple times, like now that you read it, do you do you do that or is it still just a surprising reading it again? Um It's surprise. It's a surprise. Gotcha. Yeah. Alright. Um we should also probably talk about, well, Bosk first of all. Yes, who yeah. turns out like plays a major role in Corin's backstory. They drop right at the end here. Yeah, yeah. So Bosk is the person who killed his dad. So it was kind of neat that they brought in like such a super minor character into having a large part in the in the camp in the what was the EU. 
Because in the other, like, in the other EU books, I don't really remember Bosk coming in at all. Like, we see Boba Fett and Dengar a little bit in um, other books, but not, like, you know, and even IG-88, but not, like, Bosk doesn't really appear ever. But in Rogue Squadron, he does. And so it kind of gives him a little background that Bosk was hunting a bounty. And in the firefight, um, Hal Horn is killed. And Corrin brings in Bosk for the murder of his father. But Kiritan Lore is actually the person who lets Bosk go um, based on the technicality that he has reptile hands. And so he's obviously not able to do to like shoot more accurately. And that it was just like friendly fire that had killed Hal Horn. And so he's not really responsible for it. So. One reason why Corrin really hates Kiritan lore. <laughs> so much drama. Yeah. So okay, that's and then the last thing... discrimination. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, his reptile hands means he can't hold a gun properly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, if he's a bounty hunter and like a good bounty hunter, he clearly does not have that problem. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing about this epilogue is that this reveal or this mention of Gamorreans made Derricka infinitely more interesting to me. Like, what is he doing with them? I am actually curious now. (laughs) Gamorreans are such interesting creatures because they just kind of hold their axes axes, and oink a lot. (laughs) You're such a nerd, Teddy. (laughs) Hey, Gamorreans are awesome. (laughs) It's really interesting. What Derricotte is up to is really interesting. Horrible, but interesting. And sets up a little bit for the second arc in the X-Wing books when we meet Wraith Squadron. So. Oh, well, that makes me sad <sighs> if it's horrible. Yeah. Danny, he's evil. He's an evil general. Yeah, he's not. He, <laughs> what, do he's not think, what do you think he's, he's not like <laughs> setting up a Gamorrean preserve? <laughs> I don't know. Save the Gamorreans. Maybe he's a conservationist at heart. Oh, nah. He's an Imperial. No. Fair. So that was X-Wing Rogue Squadron. Yay. Woo. So we'll talk about, we'll, we'll wrap up our thoughts on that book on next week's episode. We'll have some more discussion questions about just our general impressions and characters and plot points and things. Yep. State of the squadron. State of the squadron. Ooh, that's good. We should call We should call those episodes the state of the squadron. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a mission. It's a, Yeah. yeah. Yep, State of the Squadron. Nice. 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 We can talk about the friends we've lost, the battles we've fought, and the other fear our return will bring to our enemies. Aww. Heath, discussion questions. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh, so, last week we asked you all, what other stupid contests do you think Corrin and Bro Jace do to prove who is superior? Um, we got some awesome answers, and most of you have since changed your Twitter names to <laughs> Star Wars themed Twitter names. So I'm really glad I get to read all of these out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> Crispy Brianikin <laughs> said they would have an emo off. Also, they would totally have a Zoolander runway competition. I would watch that so I hard. would so watch a Zoolander runway competition. Bro. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I would just imagine, like, Tycho and Wedge on the sidelines, like, oh, my God, what are these guys doing? This is a I, disaster. I imagine them, like, holding up numbers, like, judging. <laughs> yes, but they're all just zeros. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, like, 0. 0.5. <laughs> and Wedge is probably rolling his eyes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Or brainwashing them to assassinate the president of Malaysia. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sarah Sandula said a hot dog eating contest, which I think is code for something else. Oh don't don't heat. <laughs> 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 what? It it's, is. It's code it for is. a hot dog eating contest. Who can eat the most hot dogs? No, <laughs> That's all it means. When she's, <laughs> she said that. Yeah, Daddy. When she said that on Twitter, I replied and said, "Quote hot dog." Unquote. And she said, "I knew you were. You'd be the one to pick up on that." <laughs> so it is code for something. Fine. But we don't have to. We don't have to put it in. We don't have to say what it is. People will know if they're gonna know. <laughs> They're eating a bunch of hot dogs. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Luke J. Walker. Oh, that's good. That's such a good name. Um, said they would have a competitive cake bake-off. Also a mirror preening contest, juggling, and an aggressive game of Go Fish. Or Calamari. I want to see an aggressive game of Go Fish. How aggressive can Go Fish get? Do you have a seven? Go fish! (laughs) (laughs) Like that. (laughs) But the fish is Akbar? Is that what he's hinting at here? I think that's what he's fishing at. Oh. Rossi said a competition of manliness between corn and bro could be how much facial hair they grow while in their cockpits. Also, they could compare tattoos. Corrin pulls up his sleeve and there's a tattoo of his dad. And under bro's sleeve is his own face. <laughs> That's, really <laughs> That's really good. Uh... And then Nantuine <laughs> said, Corrin and bro Jace compete to see who can do the most shots, but Murex drinks them both under the table. I like that one. Yeah, that one's good. Murex totally would. So for this week's question, we actually took a question from a listener, Jay. So thank you for the question, Jay. Um, so we are asking, who is more incompetent, Kirtan Lore or the Bothans? Bothans. <laughs> yeah. Kier- what a surprising Kier- answer. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why, Tav. We know how I feel about Bothans, Danny. I think I think it's Lore just because he is just he thinks he's doing so great <laughs> and he's not. Yeah, I think Lore too cuz like we saw in this last chapter like it turned out that she was just playing him the whole time. Yeah. Like he thought he was so solving just, like, this big he... mystery when in reality he was just spying on a dude for her. Yeah, like everything he's doing is like she's just teaching him a lesson in everything that he's doing. Like even his one week stay at Tapwara was to teach him a lesson. Exactly. But he doesn't get it until she actually like tells him that she's teaching him a lesson. <laughs> like, yeah. He's not very bright. No, but he did destroy half of rogue squadron. Well, not half, but he destroyed a bunch of them. Well, Derek hot destroyed half of rogue squadron. Let's, yeah. let's be honest here. Yeah. Cause like, if Lore wasn't there, the same okay. thing. Okay, Kirtan was the reason Luke Jane died. That is fair. Yes. And that makes him more confident than Bothans in my mind. <laughs> also, I'm there was a Bothan in another what? Star Wars book I read who died before the book was over. So, To be fair, Bothans are the reason that Andorni and Peshk died. So it's That's... two to one if we're going by numbers. Yeah. Also, everyone also... who died at the Battle of Endor. <laughs> 
Oh, when so Ewok true. did die, I do blame that on the Bothans. Oh, that's true. It's such a sad scene. <laughs> Damn Bothans. It's like how in every other action movie, they always have to show like a little kid that's like at dying, the scene. Yeah. Like, well, not dying, yeah. but like they're like at the scene where like dangerous things are about to happen. But instead, they used Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, so yeah. sad. But like kids are kids are terrible. Let's just get an Ewok. Yeah, they could they could use Gavin. Yeah, he's. <laughs> He's a child. <laughs> he's an ace now. That's true. He is. He's an ace. He's a good child. He got his not, not for long. I, have a I hope that by the by book ten, Gavin is the new. Wish. He's like the hero. Yeah. Yeah. That'd like Corn will like be too good for Rogue Squad, and eventually he'll go off and do I don't know, like be oh. Indiana Jones or something. But Cor- or Gavin will become the new Rogue leader of the squadron. Mm-hmm. That would be lovely. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Assuming he doesn't die. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is it outro time? It is outro time. I'm going to outro the heck out of this. Do it, Saf. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us at our website, farfarawayradio.com forward slash category forward slash rogue dash podron. You can talk to us on Twitter at Rogue Podron, which is where you can reply to our weekly question and also send anything related to the books in general, because we like talking to you guys. Our email is roguepod at farfarawayradio.com, and you can find us on the iTunes Far Far Away Radio feed. Great. So next time, make sure to join us for X-Wing Rogue Squadron State of the Squadron Overview, featuring very special guests Nancy and Brian from Tashi Station. And book two will begin, and the we'll, we will start book two in the beginning of 2016. So we'll let everybody know when we're going to do that. We'll probably have a solid date set um, on our next episode. So make sure to check that one out. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pew, 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 pew. Pew. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue 7, signing off. Rogue 3, signing off. One day. Um, One. Okay, I, 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 we'll hear your story in a second. No, I really don't need to tell it. It's everyone fine. just quick go around and say like two words real quick. Hi, I'm Danny. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll do this the old-fashioned way. Heath. <laughs> Um, Humpty Dumpty. Meg. Falafel Wall. Saf. Falafel Waffle. (laughs) (laughs) So you have very strange nursery rhymes in New Zealand? (laughs) She definitely said Falafel Waffle. (laughs) Let's let's do some real podcasting now. But fake podcasting is so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So many balls. (laughs) 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 Sorry, the timing was too good. Oh, <laughs> oh, <geez. Ooh>. <laughs> we are professionals.
one hundred percent podcast professional. Very professional. <laughs> okay. Okay. Today on Rogue Potion, Potion, goddamn. <laughs> Oh, I love us. <laughs> we only have an hour and a half left. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I got this. I got this. <clears throat> oh, guys, we are just the best podcast. We <laughs> truly are. Truly. Real talk. You can't just say that. People have to say it to us. <laughs> Well, they're not saying it to us, so I'm saying it for them. <laughs> God, Sav. We know better than they do. <laughs> you don't need to remind us that no one actually likes us. Sav, you have to love yourself before others can love you, okay? Exactly. Okay, that's true. We have to display some confidence. Yeah. Lots and lots of confidence. Like Bruce. We are the best podcast ever. Yeah, but like, yeah, okay, yes, definitely. Screw cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have some undisclosed like feelings about the cereal podcast. No, I love cereal so much, which is why that was a compliment, actually. 